Escape from Plan A. Welcome to Escape from Plan A, uh, another episode. This is your host, Teen. Uh, before I introduce everyone, I guess I'll just do some quick, responsible uh, housekeeping. Uh, we get ever closer to the Patreon. Probably by the time we this comes out, we may even hit that number. We're, we're, our goal is 150 just because we decided it that would be a cool number. Uh, I think we're like 145 right now. Yay! Uh, and, um, you know, Mark will do his rendition of, uh, I think, a Stone Temple Pilot song or something. Uh, I'm sure everyone's dying to hear that. I, I, um, I'm curious, I know actually. I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but... But uh, and I want to I want to plug the Discord because like if you if you join the Patreon um, one you're contributing to the Plan A Asian American Writers Fund. We use all of the cash in there to go pay writers, other than ourselves, of course. Uh, but we use it to go buy articles because we don't valorize free work. <clears throat> and so if you um, join, you can do that. Or if you want to contribute as a writer to Plan A Mag. Um, which we will pay for if we publish it. Uh, you can reach out to us at editor.planamag at gmail.com. Uh, we always put the email in the show notes. Uh, and also, we have uh, um, access to a Discord, which I've actually found really uh, fun and helpful, actually. I think um, the, 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 the chats, it's, it's really active, and I think almost all of us at Plan A are in there, and um, the, the conversations are really quite good. Um, I, I know I get challenged a lot in there, and, and it's just, uh, it's really fun. Anyway, uh, okay, so on to the actual podcast. So today I've got uh, Diana with me. Diana, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, and Fan, Fan, how's it going? Friend of the podcast. Hi, Hi I'm Fan. Nice to meet you all. Uh, how's that Patreon going? Are you uh, satisfied with your purchase? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so satisfied. It's it's a really good investment. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> we did not. We we didn't tell her to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it's you know, we're here to talk about Andrew Yang. I think Andrew Yang has been all over the news lately <clears throat> about this Shane Gillis thing. I'm sure most people who would listen to a podcast like ours are familiar with Shane Gillis. But you know, um, quick summary: he is a comedian from the Philadelphia area. He was hired by Saturday Night Live. Um, and, uh, you know, some podcasts that he did from the past resurfaced where he said some really fucked up racist shit. Um, and fan, you did, um, you know, maybe you could plug your podcast, um, pot of most resistance, which I first learned about from you, you linked it and you did an incredible job, uh, on Andrew Yang. And I believe it was before this stuff happened, right? Was it yeah, before that. Yeah. It was, um, I, you know, that episode was all about my general thoughts of, on Andrew Yang. So um, I wrote the script um, before all this ever happened. And then lo and behold, there's a new story that comes up. Um, but I mean, we'll get to cover it. So so listeners will get to know like more about the Shane Gillis stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and we did our own pod about Andrew Yang um, with our friends over at this uh, other podcast called Neighbor Science. And um, just t at that time, I mean, way, well, you know, a while ago before any of this happened. And, um, uh, you know, I think we've talked a lot about 
you know, UBI and his platform and stuff like that. But I think your pod, you really talked about his racial politics. And I have a, like, I've never, I didn't like his, his campaign, like, right out of the gate. Because I just, I, I, you know, UBI is something that I've never liked. Um, which we, we don't need to go into today. Uh, but I did suspect that there were just, you know, <clears throat> that, that, that there were certain things about his you know, his campaigning, his use of uh, model minority stereotypes and sort of like his overall model minority-ness, like in his, um, just sort of in how he carries himself that I both recognize, including in myself, like I actually, I think he was only like a couple years ahead of me at Columbia. So I think I missed him by like a year or two there. And, um, you know, his professional path and stuff like that, I totally relate to him as a human being. And so a lot of the things about him, I actually kind of recognize in myself. So I have like this natural affinity for him. Uh, I just I just really am constantly, you know, um, I feel, I guess, validated is the word or just gen- generally happy that there's a dude like him out there who's making a pretty successful run for the presidency. Like he's taking it seriously and people are taking him seriously. And so I'm having a really hard time sort of juggling these two competing notions in my head where it's like, I'm glad that he's out there representing someone like me, but also like, I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm having a lot of problems with both his politics and, and right now, particularly his racial politics. Do you all have, do you all relate to this feeling that I have at all? Yeah, yeah. I, think I, I think I know oh, what you ahead. mean. Like, and we talked about this a little bit before how I feel like, um, you know, Andrew Yang, he's like such a cool dude, you know, like you saw that photo of him in like his prep school or something. And he's just yeah. like so fucking hot. Like mostly like these preppy white dudes. And then he's like he shows up like like, you know, in like untucked shirt and like baggy jeans and shit and yeah just, not, and just generally not giving a fuck <laughs> it's like he's hung over after a night of like cocaine and binge drinking he's like <laughs> what's going on you know he's like so rock star it's like right. her cobain like that that's what he yeah um but yeah he's just like um he's like really successful um he's like a successfully cool guy and like that's kind of all that he is and it's like flashy and people gravitate it toward it and there's like a lot of cultural prestige you know Mm -hmm. uh for white people or like for mainstream it's like mainstream cultural prestige but i feel like he just doesn't have good politics or like he just that's not his um that's not his forte he's just like a flashy guy you know like and i feel like that that's true of like a lot of celebrities. Like there's like 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 a class of Asian American celebrity that's just like cool, but they have terrible politics. And then there's like the like politically minded Asian Americans who aren't flashy and then they don't get as much, you know, like media attention as, you know, their politics should warrant, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Fan, what about you? Do you do you have a similar? Do you have any affinity for Yang, or do you do you generally feel that he's just out of touch or? or... Yeah, I definitely um, had an expectation of what his politics would be like, um, 
And so I wasn't very drawn towards him because of that, even if like he didn't say much about race. Um, but like the more that I did my own like personal research into it, because I really wanted to know and I had like a an honest interest in what he had to say about race, the, the more turned off I was um, because he just didn't really want to talk about it. And you can tell by um, like how prepared or unprepared that he was going into interviews talking about racial justice for black people or for Asian people. And usually when it's like an Asian event um, where he is more open talking about his background, he would never really talk about like the problematic use about stereotypes um, on his campaign. Um, and it, would, it was usually just like, oh yeah, I'm Asian, it's cool that I'm running and that I get to represent people and I'm the first Asian American man to run for the Democratic nomination and it would just end there. So that was really disappointing. Yeah, and like, um, you know, I've seen people point out stuff like, you know, we we've we make a big deal out of like the first ex to run for president, like the first woman to run for president or the first, you know, black man or non-white gay man to run for president. But we there's almost no excitement around the idea of the first Asian person to run for president. And I don't think that he's really, you know, I don't think that he's making much of a big deal out of that, except through this, again, um, he said it in the last debate where he was like, I hate this trope, by the way, when he's like, you know, I think he said, like, my dad, like, slept on a dirt floor in Asia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, he, the quote was, Asia. uh, yeah, the exact, in Asia. <laughs> the exact quote was, my dad was a, um, lived on a peanut farm in Asia with uh, in a house with no floor or something like that. And now his son is re- uh, running for president. Yeah. And, and Obama used similar tropes in the past, just saying, like, the mere fact of my candidacy, the mere fact that I'm here one generation later running for president, you know, basically shows you the greatness of America. Like, my face is your case, right? And... I just, I really just really dislike that trope. One, because it's totally dishonest as to like how Andrew Yang got to where he is. And second, I just think that it's using your face to sort of appease voters. It's, you know, it's like, it, he's like a, he's like a painkiller in a way. He, he, he's basically saying he is using race in that, in that, in that sense uh, to sort of become like, just self-evident proof that if you support him, uh, you know you're 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 support you're supporting American greatness uh, simply because he's an Asian guy, and I've just always had a really complicated relationship with that notion because when it came to Obama, like I really did feel that it was amazing and it did say something great about the country that you know this. Uh, son of a Kenyan immigrant uh, and and a black man was was voted uh, to become our president. And so I just still, like, again, with Yang, like, when I dig into him, I get really upset about the things that he says and the, and the policies that he's pushing. But yet I have this sort of, like, I'm, like, quantumly entangled with him where I, I constantly feel guilty about not liking him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you see yourself as like an anti Yang? You know what I mean? Like, like you that could have been you. Like, if if things were different in your life, that could be you. Just like how he is and what he's doing. 
You yeah, know? I mean, I don't think I would be running for president, but I, I think I would, I, <laughs> I could see myself really supporting and, and sharing similar worldviews as him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how I got from there to here, but I'm curious, like, uh, maybe we should talk about it, but like what, um, Fan, when you first started thinking about Andrew Yang, like what kind of clued you, I'm curious what clued you to the idea that there might be some things that you don't like about his politics. I think just the fact that he was Asian, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, am I the only one who work? thinks this? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not saying that Asians don't have like a very heterogeneous, like a set of political values, but I think um, Asians tend to lean kind of conservative or centrist. So that's what I expected out of him, mm-hmm. quite frankly. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Diana, did, what, what, before any of this happened, like, did you, you know, did you have like a gut feeling about him or anything or, I mean, I don't really feel any sort of way about him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> he sure? doesn't, he doesn't elicit <laughs> a lot of, a lot in, a lot of feeling in me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to put it. I'm just like, well, it's cool that you're out there and uh it I, I don't know, that's pretty much it. I'm just like, you know, it, it's kind of how I felt about crazy rich Asians. Like he's the human crazy rich Asians. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is, actually. That kind of makes sense. Like far-fetched. No, it's just like he's supposed to be a revolution, but he's really just kind of a bland movie or like, yeah, just, yeah, I don't know. You know, he's just he's just more of the same, but with an Asian face. And we're supposed to celebrate that as, you know, like a movement. And it's just not. You know, like usually. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I said I was thinking like maybe we should get into this whole Shane Gillis thing because that's the that's the thing that prompted this pod. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Andrew Yang tweets like so the Shane Gillis controversy sort of had its own steam already. Like it was a pretty big story. And I, I think and I'll play a clip of what he said on his on on, you know, his own podcast. Damn, Chinatown's fucking nuts. It's crazy. dude. It is full fucking China. Dude, yeah, Chinese down there. I wonder how that started. They just built one fucked up looking building, and people were like, "All right, no one said anything." Let the fucking chinks live there, huh? <laughs> well, they built these fucking like huge Shanghai house. The first one must yeah. have infuriated everyone. They were like, been, "I'm pissed what now." The I go fuck? down there. I'm like, "What are you guys doing here? Let's get these ducks out of that window." I, you know what? Yeah, true. Also, I'm always like, "How can there be so many fucking restaurants down here?" All rest well because you go in there's like one person eating ever. That white idiot's like me down there, true, sucking down neuters. I hate China. I hate the food at Chinatown. Sucks. I like Chinese food's a very dishonest cuisine. Yeah, and so he's like talking about you know why are the fucking chinks here, right? He's talking about man, Chinatown is full on China, right? He's saying how their food is gross and his the his partner is like the food is just straight up dishonest and they're just selling you like a chemical that they made. I'm guessing he's talking about MSG, like a chemical they made that's like unhealthy, but you know, it's just dishonest and it's buying into like all of the absolute worst and most hateful stereotypes about Chinese, the the stuff that like got people killed. It's just really, really bad, you know? 
And so this thing's already blowing up. And then I see Andrew Yang tweet, and I was not surprised to find that he managed to somehow say, I think the the, the tweet said, um, you know, for some reason, like, Asian racism against Asians is like casually accepted, whereas it would never be accepted if they were saying, say, using the N word. And then he said, but however, hedging, that I don't think that he should be fired. And that if I can forgive him, I hope other people can too. And that just, I think that was the thing that pushed me over the edge with him. Uh, but there was a lot to that tweet. And I'm still, I'm sorting out which part of that tweet exactly is the part that pushed me over the edge <laughs> what did you all how did you all react to that um fan do you do you do you um recall like that tweet and 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 your reaction to it or yeah i mean it was kind of like a developing story it, it was a series of tweets that didn't all come at once um he kind of just started flaming the fires even more after like the initial outrage of how he like injected uh inserted him inserted himself into the conversation um unsolicited um i mean it was the initial tweet that really got me mad because he just he wanted to reach out to shane and then right after that um like right after he said i don't think shane should be fired because i think someone should get fired or you know shane shouldn't have even been hired in the first place for you know having that history of jokes behind him that weren't even that long ago yeah Diana, what about you? Did you did that tweet elicit anything in you? Was that a problem for you? I'm pretty sure it was because I think I remember your reaction to it. <laughs> I was like, uh oh, here comes Diana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't really remember if it was that answer or the one where he's like, Oh, Shane called. We're getting beer. You know, like it's the cool uh, kid in school right. who just like asked him to come to the house party or something that mm. just made me so mad i'm like yeah you know like i think today i just responded fuck you yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i agree i mean my reaction was just that like i don't think this i think this shane gillis guy is just a complete asshole racist and i don't think he's worth the attention but he's let me play, just a huge sorry go ahead but let me just play devil's advocate just because I think it's worth answering the question, which is like, is it is there any way to view, you know, Andrew Yang saying, look, I'm, I'm the thing is, like, he was actually directly uh, called out by by Gillis in some of those podcasts. I think he called him like a Jew chink. Right. I think. Um, yeah, that was in one of the pods that he did. And so he's specifically targeted by this guy. And Yang is sort of having his like moment in the media right now. He's got a lot of attention on him and he's got an opportunity to do, you know, whatever he thinks is right. And so what he's saying is like, you know, this is an opportunity for Americans to maybe see the outcome of like, you know, a, a, um, a positive and constructive, hopefully, discussion about someone who has said really racist things targeted at that person and that person is saying I'm willing to sit down and talk to you like I'm willing to not hold that against you forever and I'm willing to try for us to learn something and for the benefit of the country or the society to see us do that 
is there something praiseworthy in that? And I, I, I kind of feel like it's hard to say that it isn't, but on the other hand, I've got mixed feelings about that notion too, but... That pisses that, me off when you yeah. even like suggest <laughs> that there needs to be that conversation when you're like, oh, it's you're you're saying like it's, you know, incumbent on the victim of like racism to say before anybody else even suggests that there needs to be forgiveness. I forgive you. What is he? Jesus? Fuck that. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, look. Uh, Andrew Yang was not the only person that was specifically called out. There was this um, white comedian, Chris Gethard, who's gay. And um, he just came out and was like, yeah, he called me the F word and I hate him. He's a fucking douchebag. You know, like, I I feel I guess it's like, you know, he has like white privilege and like it's his privilege to like just not forgive you know, but it's like, just call a fucking spade a spade, you know? People will respect you for that. And, like, I'm in this um, uh, Facebook group of, like, different comedians, and his uh, Chris's brother actually posted in here this huge long message about what a fucking cunt weasel Shane Gillis is, you know? And um, what he said about this guy's brother, or his brother... Chris was like, uh, yeah, you know, he called him the F word. He and uh, Matt, you know, on the podcast, they just like went through his comedy, Chris's comedy album and made fun of his uh, his mental illnesses, his depression, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were just basically shitting on him. Yeah, Yeah, just hateful for no fucking reason. You know, and it's just like that shit is unforgivable. That just call that out for what it is. Oh, and he apparently he called his uh, Egyptian friend like a sand N word too. Just just because just for no fucking reason. You know, it's just like this person is not apologetic. He doesn't give a fuck. That part is clear. Like what kind of person forgives somebody like that? Like, th- there's no need for that. So short of it is Diana's not buying my bullshit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let, me try, yeah. let me try to rephrase that for Fan and let's see if I can win her over. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? So we, yeah, so but we have this. Uh, okay, let me try this again. Uh, I will probably fail. Um, okay, you got a guy. He's running for president, right? He's He's trying to find a platform a a message that can unite the country at a time when it's you know divided by racial strife it's it's divided by you know class and ethnicity gender We're, we're marked by division and we need someone who can come bring us together in some some way some fashion and here comes uh andrew yang Right, Le- not left, not right, but forward. Right, not not white, not black, but Asian, and he's willing to sit down with an unrepentant fucking hate monger, who not only has targeted Asian people and targeted Andrew Yang himself, but but everyone, Jews, gays, 
uh, I don't know if he just targeted black people because he's probably not uh, brave enough to do something like that, but um, he probably feels it. And he, he's, he's, he's willing to sit down and say, I, as a victim of your racism, am willing to hear you out if you're willing to hear me out. Is there any potential that something constructive can come out of that? Uh, fan, what do you say? <laughs> That's the best I can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, based on, um, you know, Shane Gillis being fired and the statement that he put out after that, like, he, it's very clear that he's not apologetic, apologetic at all and that really the only reason he put out that statement in the first place after there, there was the, init- the initial outrage was because he wanted to save his career on SNL before it even started actually but yeah um no there's no saving him there's no reason to forgive him like he's just like he's not that famous he's not even famous at all right now like i don't i don't even see why there's any you know, need for all you, know this. you know who this guy reminds me of he's like cartman he's like eric cartman from sn or from South Park. <laughs> and like his his whole last statement was just like, screw you guys, I'm going ham. <laughs> wow, that was freakishly good. Uh <laughs> been practicing that all morning. No, yeah. I mean, I, I don't believe my own bullshit just because I think that um you know, I, I found that and here here's I guess my problem with Andrew Yang. I have like a pretty top down problem with him. And I don't know if it's just because I just recognize, I just recognize him and I recognize people just because I feel like I'm pretty adjacent to people like him. And there's like a certain mindset that goes with that. And I think that it's, it's really a politics of, of appeasing, you know, and I think that he is trying to, I mean, the fact that he's not a white guy is actually what's helping him in his campaign. And I think that he is great at deflecting or massaging a lot of the really fucked up shit that white people say, like blaming immigrants. He's like, oh, wait, you could keep your hate, but uh, blame robots, you know, or he can say stuff like, um, you know, playing on this. I think with the racial stuff, it's the same thing where he's kind of like offering himself up as if he's. Like the ult, and, and he was in a weird way. See, that's the hard thing about this case is like he was the target of this racism, and I do feel that racism. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to figure out like why he doesn't have um, the 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 right to forgive. And I guess he does have the right, but I just feel like. Well, he's so saying he's not saying, "Oh, I forgive him." He's saying, "I hope everybody else can forgive him." You know, right. pointing the finger right. at all these uppity Asians that are saying we are not forgiving you. You know, like saying, yeah. no, "No, no, no, guys, calm down, calm down, don't make a scene." You know, because it's mm-hmm. not your place. Like he's he's putting himself as that representative. And he's allowing white people to use him as our representative. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think the part that complicates it is, um, and Fan, I think you put this in your pod. I think there was an excerpt of this video, which I had seen before, 
um, of him talking at like I think some sort of like Chinese American forum or something, where he put out the warning signal to say like, you know, right now, you know, Trump country they're you know trying to blame all of America's problems on China, and that he expects that you know we're going to be targets of. You know, he said that there was a I thought it was interesting that he made the comparison to Jews, but he said, like, he's we're not we're probably 10 years away from the kind of incidents that we saw, you know, where that that Jewish synagogue was shot up. And when I heard that, I was like, see, this guy, he gets it, too, though. Right. There's like a private like if you talk to Andrew Yang, and I think fan, I think you may, may have pointed this out specifically in your pod, which is what really made me enjoy kind of like your take on it was like it seems like when he is talking to just a room full of Asians, like he really does get the dangers like he's not race blind in that sense. Yeah. Did- yeah. So the, the funny thing is like um, that video that you just mentioned, I found it through, I think, one of Oxford's articles. So now mm-hmm. I'm just giving it like new life um, because I found that exact um, portion so compelling about how Asians might be the next targets of gun violence. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like he gets it. Like he understands like this fear that I think many of us have that we could be like the next, um, you know, the next Jews or like Muslims that are gunned down um, at our places of worship or wherever we are or at Walmart or whatever. Um we worship at Walmart. <laughs> That's kind of true. Um, yeah, so I forgot what your point was. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to square, like, why, you know, on the one hand, when I heard that, uh, that was one of the things that actually, like, I, I've been sort of, like, coming, uh, you know, like, again, I, I juggle competing feelings about Andrew Yang. Oh, yeah, um, I think he's a really smart guy, like, when I mm-hmm. see clips like this, but... I think it's just that he chooses not to say some of these things like on more um, on, on a larger when the audience is larger and more broad um, mm-hmm. rather than just like an Asian audience. Like he's not going to say like, oh, Asians are going to be the next victim. to so, like an audience of white people, they're not going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I- that that clip was probably the most compelling thing about him to me. Um like I got kind of on board like after I saw that and like I feel like that that clip you know that was like him being really genuine you know like because the way he was talking it was like super matter of fact it was very direct it wasn't like that kind of like wishy-washy like polit like politico speak you know that he had when he's answering questions about UBI or about reparations it was like it, it was real, you know? So I feel like definitely what he's doing now, it's it's a strategy. And I feel like the long game might be, um, you know, it, like, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, the conversation with this cunty McCunt face, that's not the thing that <laughs> matters, <laughs> you know Sorry, like go, keep going there, there's nothing that they're gonna talk about that's gonna matter it but he has i bet he has some sort of like l- this is part of like some sort of long-term strategy to kind of like uh make things easier for asian americans or at least for himself and his family 
I don't know. I feel mm. like it could mm-hmm. go both either way that he could just be like, look, I, I'm the good one, you know, like save me and my family uh, now that I now that I've like appeased you guys enough and, you know, throw everybody else under the bus. Or he could actually be like, you know, doing, you know, all of this stuff, like having a UBI and um, doing all of these appeasement strategies to to make things easier for the white working class and if he i I guess it's like if he can get that far um it it might actually make things better for everyone right because it's like i think about it this way like the reason that people like cunty mccunt face are even Popular or sorry, yeah? Who's sorry, that's a Gillis, right? Yeah, I just don't even want to say that guy's name because okay, fuck him, you know. Wow. And but it's like the reason he has a fan base. Part of it isn't just the hate. It's like like white the white working class man has some serious issues, and not a lot of people are looking out for them. They don't really have a future. You know, like it, it, it sucks, and they are like as an identity. Like they are people who have been socialized to punch down when things are bad for them. That's true, and that's, that's why, and that's why they listen to Cunty. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel and- like. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Finish your thought. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with what you're saying. Well, I just feel like um, one possibility for his appeasement strategy and to like win those guys over and to try to get policies in place that will help them is at least um, for the short term, not have them um, externalize their problems onto us. Yeah, that's. You know, the thing is, with what you said, I think that's dead on, and I think it's consistent with his whole platform. It's not just the racial policy. That's the thing. I think with, with, with Andrew Yang, I think that it's not... He couldn't have done this any other way. I mean, the only thing that he could have done was to avoid. Like, he could have just stayed out of this. You know, yeah. but the, the fact that he got involved, it, once he decided to get involved, there was no other way that this would go except to appease because I think it's consistent with his entire purpose. His entire platform is appeasement. Um, when it comes to UBI, for example, it is designed to help the, wh- the white working class, so to speak, or t- to help basically like white middle income people. And the reason you can tell that is because, uh, you know, one, there's no cost of living adjustment to like his, I'm gonna get really nerdy on this, I'm sorry, but like, there's no, I mean, a thousand a month means a lot more to people in red states than it does to people in blue states, first of all. Second, people in blue states tend to rely a lot more on existing benefits. So it's not a thousand dollars to everyone. His platform builds in, it's a thousand dollars minus whatever benefits you're already getting, right? right? And so, and so it is designed specifically to tar- to, to, to appease, I think, at least in appearance. I think, you know, if you were to do the data as to how it would actually play out, um, I suspect it would still go the same way, but it's really targeted to appease white voters. And when he presents his UBI platform, you can start seeing the light goes, you know, like I've seen v- videos where 
you know, white interviewers running like, you know, smaller uh, YouTube channels and podcasts will ask him, okay, sell me your pitch. And like already it's like a white guy going like, why should I fucking listen to you? And then the Asian man comes back with a bunch of like sales things. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to help you a thousand a month. You can go buy a guitar. You can, you know, whatever. Uh, You can go (laughs) buy your craft brewery kit, whatever the fuck you want to do. White guy gets excited, right? And then the white guy follows up with questions like, okay, but what about people? What about citizens? What about non-citizens? And then Andrew Yang goes, yeah, we're not going to give it to non-citizens. And he goes, okay, that's good. What yeah, about this people was who a are deal breaker for me. When I learned that, I was just like, yeah. that's so anti-immigrant. It is. It yeah. is. And his immigration plans are no better. I think he wants a really long time window for naturalization. Yeah, he, he wants goes, to, um, for undocumented immigrants, he, he, want, he will allow them to attain citizenship, but only like after 18 years, which is insane. That's insane, wow. right? Um. What's the current? What's do you know what the current uh, uh, number of years is? Is this some, it's like ten, right, or something like that? I don't know. Well, um, um, for undocumented immigrants, there's no like actual no. federal plan for citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way is like if you can get someone to sponsor you um, before you're deported or something. Um, but like generally, like people, the the wait time to actually you know get a green card is like over 10 years and it's not because you have to wait that long that's just like the backlog mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so i see these interviews where it's a sales pitch it's a fucking sales pitch to white people and they want to know that they're going to get their thousand but they want to make sure that people who uh can, you know are incarcerated don't get it that non-citizens don't get it and that you know people who already are getting like a bunch of benefits from the government don't get it either Right. And so it's like all this, it's, it's very like designed and it's very specific to appease exactly that middle income white person. And you can see in these interviews, like the lights just, you know, the lights coming on going, hey, this guy might have it. And I just, you know, I just feel like the, the appeasement, it's a sales strategy and it's in line. I think, I think he, jumped all over this Gillis thing. One, because he was named. And I, two, I, I do believe that he was hurt by this. Um, and that three, I think it helps him tackle the big unsaid, which is like he's an Asian guy uh, trying to become the leader of white people. And he wants to do, you know, Beer Summit too, right? He wants to sit down with like Gillis, who's going to use as a, as, a, um, as a sympathetic stand-in for all the racist white people out there saying why I shouldn't feel... Like my racism is really all that bad that I'm that it's exonerable that it's innocent that maybe it's in bad taste but fundamentally I'm worth you know being front and center to 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 the political uh, to political life in America and it sidelines just so many other issues and I think Fan you did a great job kind of pointing this out and you dug up an interview that he did with the Root where. Um, the issue of reparations came up and I was just like, God damn. It's like, I feel like he's so prepared for everything, but he was like totally, totally blindsided by that question. Like he had never even thought about it, you know? Um, yeah. It's like he has a PhD in uh, white people whispering and like a fifth grade education <laughs> and everything else. He has the white people whispers. Yeah. He? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He's like ASMR. What is that ASMR for? Yeah. For people? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, did you see that YouTube video of the Daily Show correspondent? That was just like, 
it's okay to touch black people's hair. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to give you a thousand bucks. You can start a beard grooming business. You can, You're call, awesome. you can call me a Jew chink. I'll still buy you a beer. <laughs> we just, planning just got all creepy and shit. Oh, man. Oh, too funny. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I just like, I just understand. I do understand where it's coming from, honestly. Like, it, there is, there really, it, like, for me as on the online discourse about Asian political identity, it can be for someone like me, like a little bit alienating and a little bit hurtful where people, you know, assume you have shit politics, right? Because you're, you're like, you know, um, a quote, fancy Asian, uh, particularly a fancy Asian man. So, you know, whatever. And I, but see, I think there needs to be a level of honesty among that. And I think like me and Ray were talking about this a little bit, just like we're so used to sort of like not picking sides. Like we think that there's some value in like not picking sides. And when you do that, you just sort of like end up on the side of power. Yeah. That's right? what, exactly what it is. Because power doesn't need your help. It needs you to be okay with everything. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly and right. I th- yeah, and I think that's the problem with not just Andrew Yang, but I think with the political identity. And I'm already starting to hear people say, like friends that we know have said, like, you know, they've been involved in very frustrating discussions with, you know, sort of like lip, elite liberal Asian people who are like giving, who are just clapping for, for, for Yang's uh, offer to talk to this guy. And, you know, like, I, I, I just feel like this is a natural instinct for elite liberal Asians that we would rather like just go along to get along. And in that process, because it's so personal, right? Like it's not really because we've like studied all of the different aspects of like power and race and and class in America. And we've come to a certain conclusion. It's just that we have a politics that's consistent with our personal experience and what makes us comfortable among, like, the world that we're in, which is, like, mostly white people, mostly people with, um, you know, pretty, I would say, conservative politics when it comes to this stuff. And you internalize it. And what I've noticed in talking to a lot of, like, you know, um, uh, of these elite liberal Asians or careerist Asians or boba liberals or whatever you want to call them, that... They're like educated into belief systems that have a lot of backup in like the mainstream. Like there's a lot of like before it was like, you know, people having faith in like, you know, free market, you know, free market fundamentalism and that the free market equals freedom, that, you know, UBI is, uh, you know, a really great way for people to enter the market and all these things. And like, I'm like, do you really believe that or do you? adopt these frameworks because out out of like a sense of social pressure and then like we internalize that and we really think we're right i think that's what kind of bothers me watching andrew yang is i think he really thinks he's right 
I think he looks at the criticisms and he's like, I understand the criticisms, but you don't understand where I'm coming from because I've seen more than you or I know more than you and I know what the right answer is. And I find that very frustrating. Do you know? Uh, I'm sorry, I just ranted. Uh, but I guess for me, that's kind of what it, it, what I'm seeing when I look at this, you know? I don't think Andrew Yang has, I mean, I'll, I'll admit that like he's definitely traveled more than me. I mean, that's his job, but I don't necessarily think that he understands more about racial politics than any other Asian person. And just because he's Asian doesn't mean he gets to speak on, you know, on behalf of the rest of us. Um, and I, that's where like, there's like a huge, like amount of disappointment because he could have, you know, consulted with other Asians who take racial issues very seriously first before, you know, speaking out on behalf of the, behalf of the rest of us. So isn't there a sort of like a base reality though, that if he were to do that, he just wouldn't be popular. I think that's kind of the conundrum is like, if he didn't, if he's not doing Andrew Yang stuff, then he, there is no Andrew Yang. Like there is no, there's no room for an Andrew Yang to have done any of this right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of the same issue with um, Asians in the media, right? Like the, the people that are there now, like if they were not so white adjacent or white worshiping or whatever, they wouldn't be where they are. You know. Yeah. So, what does that, where does that leave us? You know, like I, it's starting because like the more I think, like thinking about that all the time, and the more I think about it, I think the answer is kind of like, well, fuck the concept of an Asian presidential candidate right now. Honestly, like it, I don't know if that really is helpful. <laughs> I to... feel like it at most it's a band aid. Like it just kicks the can down the road to the next generation. Did you all ever see um, uh, I'm Not Your Negro, the, um, the movie about James Baldwin? Yeah. No, I don't there think I is, There's a clip in there where James Baldwin is talking about how, um, and it's so appreciated because, like, I think it was, like, 1960, you know, mid-1960s, and he said something like, Bobby Kennedy had said to him, like, if things keep going in this direction, which was generally positive in his view that, you know, he could imagine there being a black president within the next 40 years, which was pretty close, pretty on three years off. And um, Baldwin says, like, who the hell are you to, you know, like, why, why do you think that that would make like, why do you think that that's the end all be all, you know, like that yeah. you would be able to grant us the right to have a black president, you know, and I am starting to understand that quote a little more. I just don't know if like these achievements of gaining, um, you know, g gaining higher and higher visibility and status within white institutions, including the, you know, including like the presidency, including the White House, uh, but also like in Hollywood and all this stuff. I just don't know if that really is like either a great goal to have or the it's definitely not the only goal do you know what i'm saying but i'm having i think when that comes up it's hard to articulate what else there is i think that's why it's for me anyway and i'm curious if you all had thought something along these lines it's like well then what's the alternative for us 
you know, I think that's kind of what's missing for a lot of Asian people out there is like, if I don't jump through white hoops, what hoops do I jump through? You know? Yeah. Um, so like, it kind of makes me think about, um, like in project management, there's like milestones and deliverables and like a milestone <laughs> is just like, like a place mark, you know, that you can see that is just like, Oh, like we're here in the project. But like the deliverable is like the actual product that, you know, like you hand you hand out or like that that you're supposed to like output. Right. So it's just like I think like having a X identity president, that's like a milestone, you know, that's like something that you can see and point to. But the deliverable is like um, less racism toward X group. And those, at least in terms of, like, racial politics, it's like we have milestones now, but just no deliverables. Like, nothing systemically oh, has changed. You're saying, like, that's the sort of Asian project now is just, like, it's, markers it's, of success, but we don't really have, like, an underlying vision or goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's also, like, every, every group... <laughs> Every group is pretty much like that. You mean including non-Asians? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, um, One, who, who is that? Somebody uh, tweeted something that was really, I really liked. I think you shared it, Teen. Um, you know, responding to Andrew Yang's, like, uh, like, oh, it wouldn't have been like this if he used the N-word or something. And she said, yeah. like can we stop having the n-word be like the end-all be-all of racism because real racism is like um unjust policies that um in like reinforce systemic oppression and like nobody's really like like if you want to be really anti-racist you have to look at that and change those things i do remember that and i think that that's like something we should talk about right here yeah because I think that that's like a really, really interest. It was, that was the part of what he said, the part where he said, you know, for some reason, like casual racism against Asians is totally acceptable, but this would have never, like he would have been gone immediately if he had said the N word. The thing is, I think it's true. It is true what he said. And I think it's a common uh, gripe by Asian Americans mm-hmm. um, that there is this sort of like instinctive, uh, revulsion at a lot, and it's not just the N word, right? And I think that people were piling onto him a little bit unfairly because if he had chosen something else, right? I think there's a lot. Like I don't think you could use epithets against Latinos. I don't even think you could use something like an epithet against brown-skinned people. Like you can't say towelhead, you know? Like or maybe right. you could, it's not quite as bad as the N word, but I think there is a lot of stuff that's out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there is a common complaint that I do share in that there does seem to be a particular tolerance of casual racism against Asians. And that part I did kind of agree with. But on the other hand, that tweet, you know, re-raised the stakes to say, you know, it's more than just epithets. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like it's, this isn't just about you know, whether people can call you a chink or not. There's something deeper going on and you're just focusing on really surface things. And that, I think, was the way that I started to think 
a little more deeply about this topic. But do you, what do you all think about um, that, that, you know, what he said about acceptance of casual Asian racism versus other forms? I think it's, I think there's some truth to it because yeah, like um, anti-black racism is a problem within the Asian community, but that wasn't really the best example to call it out. Uh, if, if it was an example at all of anti-black racism, um, because, you know, we, we just had Dave Chappelle release a special on Netflix where he made fun of Asians for their accents and mm -hmm. people laughed at it. And so it's still mainstream to do that because we have a very famous comedian doing it and basically, you know, telling other people that it's okay as well. And you'll still keep your career. Yeah. Like nobody even really mentioned that that part of that special they were like oh like you know misogyny homophobia transphobia but like he really saved the the worst for asians and all he did was do a stereotype and say but it's fine because my wife is asian um yeah no i i i i get what you're what you mean but i just feel like um it's kind of i i can see the other side of it too it's just like why do you have to compare everything else to, like, anti-black anti slurs, you know? And the thing is, first of all, I feel like we don't even need that comparison. It's, like, it's bad enough just to say, just to say, hey, like, he's using these slurs this is fucked up. Just stop. Like, you don't need that constant comparison. And also, I feel like a lot of white people, they don't care about the N-word, you know? Like, they'll put on that pretense, but, like, it's just for show. Like, they're fine using the N-word. Like, people use the N-word at, you know, on shows all the time. And, um... Yeah, like, like that doesn't that doesn't um, that doesn't stop people, you know. Like, and white people they don't care about the N word. What they do care about is their own problems, you know. Like, mm -hmm. no, like I'm saying, like they don't care about anti-black racism any more than they care about anti-Asian racism. They just like they the only things that they care about that are the things that hurt them, you know, like, um, if you make fun of the opioid ep epidemic or something, they'll take offense to that. Or like, they'll take offense You're saying to, white people do? Yeah, they'll take offense uh -huh. to, um, you know, like somebody calling, calling out, uh, their, their problems or, you know, like, like with, uh, Chris, like, you know, making fun of, his family or his mental health like that's what they actually care about they don't care about black people any more than they care about asians and for us to constantly be like oh but look how much i guess i guess it sounds like we're saying oh but look how much better black people have it like that's not really true oh it's certainly not true i mean i i, I think that um yeah, and I thought a lot about this because I still, no matter what like explanations we throw around it, the basic reality of that, what he said is still true. 
like if you go online and stuff, like people just casually toss out anti-Asian stuff all the fucking time. And, you know, if you call them out on anti-black stuff, like they will be a little bit worried about that. Like white people are like, oh, shit, did I let my racism jump out? But if you if you call them on anti-Asian stuff, they're like, yeah, fuck you. (laughs) And they'll just follow up with another one. Right. But but um, I'm saying like those mm -hmm. are like casual things. You know, like, Mm -hmm. it's not, like, the systemic. Does that make sense? Yeah, so are you saying that, like, if we really, you know, got to the root problem of racism, we wouldn't even need to worry about racial epithets at all? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it is, like, and there was an article in the New York Times about, and uh, it was a good article, and I was surprised by that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised by who I'm agreeing with. Uh, you know, on, like there was a video of like Andrew Yang talking with Jake Tapper, and I was like, whoa, Jake Tapper just owned his ass on the topic of anti-Asian racism. I, like, Jake Tapper was like, you know, do you feel like you're talking for yourself or for like all the other Asian Americans who feel like this was like, uh, you know, not unforgivable? And I was like, go Jake Tapper? What? Like, what the fuck? I know. You know, like, I'm so confused right now. What the hell is going on? Um, but, like, part of it is, and for, uh, there's a lot of Asian guys that listen to this pod, and I, and, and I think, like, and I understand, I totally fucking understand that it is hard to, it's just hard to get it from all sides the way that, you know, sometimes like we feel we do, like we just can't do anything right. And I I just feel like, think about the way Andrew Yang is accepting of a lot of, and and even uses uh, Asian stereotypes to his advantage. Um, You know, that whole line about like, I'm Asian and I uh, know a lot of doctors or, I'm Asian and I'm good at math. I don't think these are like insidious. Like that's not like you wouldn't call that per se racism, but it does trade on race in this weird way that I don't like. It's I think this, it it's is. Just this, you don't think it's racism? I think it is. It's just the model it, 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 minority no, stereotype. No, it is. But I'm just saying it just doesn't. It, it, it for some reason like to you know it's it, it's glib. You know, like it's not um, immediately obvious to the room. Like, he can say that on national TV. Isn't that more insidious? That it's not recognized? Yes, I think that that those are bricks in the wall that allow... That creates the condition for why people don't take anti-Asian racism seriously. Because we so often engage in it ourselves to sort of, like, be cool. Well, I... I gotta be you know honest, I, mean? like, I don't like that either. I think that's stupid. Oh shit, I don't like it either. I'm just saying it happens. Yeah. You know, and I think that this is indicative, like, those are connected. Yeah, totally. That if, yeah, like, if we're okay, like, punking on ourselves the way that so many prominent Asians do, that what do you expect people are going to think about anti-Asian racism? You're writing the past for them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah, feel like that's not, kind of... Well, you, I mean... It's not, it's a two-way street there, you know? It's not like we are punk, it's not like we, it started out punking ourselves, and then white people followed suit. No, but I think that in, what I guess what I'm saying is that punking on ourselves does bring us certain benefits. Like, there's a reason Ken Jeong has his own TV show, you know what I mean? Like, like willing to like 
put on, you know, just willing to make like a bit of like a, you know, a joke out of yourself does bring benefits for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think that there's a sort of like price that everyone else has to pay for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and so many like, you know, I just see this uh, all the time in, in like regular life. The way that Asians sort of like offer up um, anti-Asian, like just offer up ethnicity, our ethnicity as a joke or like a proper, just like a proper thing to even talk about. Like, I, like why the fuck are we even talking about ethnicity? You know what I mean? Like um, it just, we just allow it. And then we act surprised that people are cool with casual racism against Asians. And I'm like, but we're cool with it, aren't we? Like, isn't that like part of the problem? I don't know. Am I being too harsh or? I mean, I think there's people who are are cool with it and people who aren't. And the people who are cool with it and do the punking, uh, they they benefit off of it to an extent and then they screw the rest of us over because i'm not cool with it i've never been cool with it yeah yeah like i remember you know just like an example i remember i was like on a conference call at work and like this like it was with it was it was a conference call with some other people in uh europe and they just for the life of them couldn't say my name right which actually doesn't bother me i have a strange name like you know it's not i don't expect you to say my name right right off the bat it's fine mm-hmm. but they kept struggling with it even though it's not particularly hard and like another asian person on the call was just like haha this is what happens when you have too many asian people on the call yeah, you what get the stuck fuck on names is that about you know what i mean and i i, I actually hate people the like call, that you know yeah, yeah I actually much. stopped the call. I, I, I was surprised that I did this, but I was mm-hmm. like, okay, because uh, I was like actually, uh, like the reason for the call was for me to explain like a legal issue. And I was basically like, if someone on this call thinks there's too many Asians, I'm glad to get off this call, but then someone else is going to have to explain this to you all. So do I hear any more objections to Asians being on this call? And like it was like you could hear a pin drop and i was like yeah i don't care what any of you fucking think but like i just i just Teen, hate that's that why shit. you're hot yay <laughs> yay <laughs> i just i i i just i i don't know i was just like something about that 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 instinctive and i didn't even think that that person was like being particularly you know it just came out almost like a reflex. Do you know what I mean? And I see this in a lot of Asian people. Like, we're reflexive about it. Yeah, um, they act like they're fucking abused puppies. Ugh. God. Yeah. Fan, do you ever see this in your life? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I feel like I'm not... I'm the, <laughs> um, I don't know. What, do you, so, what like, do you think of what I'm saying here? I don't know. I Hearing that story is, like, appalling. Um... There aren't a lot of Asians in Chicago compared to, like, New York. Um, yeah. And I think even compared to Boston. So, um, and there's no Asians in my office. I think there's, mm. let me think, there's, like, a half Asian guy, but he codes more as white. So, yeah, the, I'm the only Asian in the office. Actually, oh, wait, there's an accountant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't really talk to him. And so it's, I don't really experience that at work, but I'm not surprised that stuff like that does happen. Yeah. 
Let me tell you what. Yeah, I'd rather just, be the only mm. Asian than um, in in a in a room than be with other Asian people that are like that. Same. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it just makes it really awkward, and I'm just yeah. I would rather just control the whole narrative of what Asian people are like rather than <laughs> constantly have to. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, because they're know. constantly I mean, just honest, undermining to... you. Oh, you know, this other time, as long as we're telling personal stories here, this other time, uh, I was, and this is always at work, you know, like I was getting, I got in the elevator and there was um, uh, people from the company like above us. It's like a totally different firm. Like, I don't know these people. And there were, uh, it was like four white people and like an Asian person. And they were in the middle of a conversation about like, as the elevator door opens, like I walk right into the middle of their conversation. And they were talking about this Asian guy, Chinese guy who had come to give a talk at the, uh, at the, um, at their company. And apparently he knocked it out of the park. He was great. And this Asian person was like, yeah, you know, and uh, I guess his name was like Dr. Lee or something like that. Um, they kept referring to him as like Dr. something. Yeah, Dr. Lee is great. You know, he's just like, he's so expressive. Like he just, you know, he, like he just has, he just brings so much feeling into like what he's saying. And that, you know, that's totally not what like Asian men are really like. You know, most Asian men don't have emotions. An and Asian guy I'm was saying this? Uh, is an Asian is an Asian woman that was saying this, and about an Asian man, and I'm walking. I walk into the elevator, and right as in the middle of this whole part of about how Asians don't have any expressions, and I don't know these people, so I didn't say anything. But I was like, "You're literally saying like I, I have to now stand. It's like ev- like it's like you just farted, and I have to like stand in your fart for the rest of this elevator ride. <laughs> yeah. Like this sucks. Like this fucking sucks. You know, mm-hmm. and." I was just like, I don't know. These are the things that you don't... I, I do agree with... Um, I do agree with Andrew Yang on this part that, you know, the net effect for whatever reason, and I think that part of it is the, the fact that we do do these things, that we just have to suffer a lot of racism that just, like, for some reason, white society has just deemed it cool to just talk about us in a racial way, like it's no problem. Like, even if they're saying, like, positive things, it's still... It still makes me feel weird when they're like Asian people X, Asian people Y, Asian people tend to do whatever. And I'm like, I don't even care what it is that you say. Like, it could be complimentary or it could be fucking ignorant as hell. But like, why are you even starting a sentence saying Asian people X? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, See, it's just really. Now I feel like when I hear something like that, that just tells me more about how that person thinks. And usually the people like that are really stupid you know it's like they can't conceive it's like they have to put you know every information every piece of new piece of information that comes in into like a bin for them to like process it Uh, like a in a racial bin you mean yeah and it's just like your your brain is dumb that you can't just like parse new information without doing that yeah but i do find it de- dehumanizing it is i mean it when definitely people say dehum- is. like I, I just suddenly feel like like i'm like like i'm standing in like a medical theater and they're operating on me trying to figure out how asian people work you know i'm like what the fuck you know like yeah it's, uh this is fucking weird uh yeah uh we're pretty far off the topic of andrew yang uh <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, when he does stuff like that, it makes me feel like, 
oh, he's one of those people. He's not that smart and he's not that great at anything. And he's Andrew like, Yang, you mean? yeah, because he's the mm-hmm. same. He does the he's doing the same shit. Yeah. It's like, I don't want somebody like that as my leader or as my representative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I, again, I, I want to replug fans uh, podcast on this because like this is my frustration, right? It's like we talk about this, like we talk about these problems online, like we being like Asian people. Like, I'm like, I'm proud that Asian people are finally talking about this. But like we refuse to look deeper, you know, like we just look at exactly, Diana, kind of what you're saying. Like it's like a performance review, you know, like it's like, oh, uh, I think we're doing pretty good. However, we still have to suffer occasional casual racism at work. How do we address this? Uh, you know, whatever. And and I think, Fan, your podcast really, like, just sealed it for me in the sense that, like, these are not little things. Like, these, you know, the fact that, like, we do this and the fact that um, we do allow this goes deeper than just, like, we don't, stand up for ourselves it goes deeper than just like you know oh i didn't like like what i said on that conference call is not going to make a damn bit of difference do you know what i mean like i i think that it's it's not just whether we stand up for ourselves but like fundamentally what our like deeper political convictions are like I, over time i just feel like it's inescapable that we really have to think harder about politics and about like american society and not just worry about like our daily experience, and that's a tall order for I think for for a lot of Asians who feel marginalized and feel like they're not heard and and whatever. But the way out of that, in my opinion, is not to you know hyper focus on just the things that we suffer, but to take like a broader, more systemic view of why we suffer like that and why other people suffer like that. You know, um, uh, am I, am I, that's what I got from your podcast. Was that what you're trying to suggest or do you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like in my podcast, um, I, I try to, um, communicate the message that like, yeah, you know, like it's great being complimented saying Asians are good at math, but like at the end of the day, like if, if we allow ourselves to accept these compliments, there's a price that we pay. I use, I kind of say this multiple times, like, I don't know if it's like contrived saying that there's a price for accepting these mono minority stereotypes, but like the price that we pay is that we, if we one day, you know, like get pushed over the edge and are fed up with some of these stereotypes and being um, characterized like this, um, you know, people will be really, um, off put by that and then we won't have any like allies to stand with us because they only wanted to be able to make fun of us kind of yeah it's it's hard because it is sort of a racism of it, it, it's sort of like um, it's sort of at times like the racism of um, how do I put this it's, it's hard to put it into words but the best way that I've ever figured out how to say it is that we need to learn the difference between being liked and being respected and I think a lot of times we like just sue for being liked you know like we're we're happy enough to be accepted and to be generally you know a liked person and we have friends and you know 
we're, we, we get invited to things and we're part of the team. But that does not, being liked is not the equivalent of being respected. And, it, and I just, I don't know if we quite know the difference yet. Because I don't know if we've ever experienced what that is like. And I think part of that is because we always tend to not choose sides. And we always tend to side with power, therefore, you know. I definitely think um, that's the route that Andrew Yang is taking. Like he is, mm-hmm. you know, he's making these self-deprecating jokes so that he can be liked. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's respected. Um, and because of that, like when people take that approach, they think that, oh, if if people like me first, then maybe I can change their mind to think maybe like immigrants aren't so bad, that Asians aren't all good at math. But I think I think they should stop fooling themselves into thinking that. Uh, I mean, it might work with one or two like friends that they know, but it's not going to like work on a broad scale. They're not going to convince all their Trump voters to con- to suddenly change their thoughts about immigrants. Right. Didn't somebody say that, um, like, didn't somebody, like, actually talk to one of these 4chan guys and they were like, yeah, we are kind of, like, not even ironically um, pro-Yang, but, like, we just feel like he is, like, we want we want the Democrats to pick him because then Trump will definitely win or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised by something like that. I mean... Yeah, I don't know the whole Yang Gang phenomenon. I don't really understand it. But again, like I, assuming that I'm sure there are elements of like the the alt right that are, that are into you know bullshit like that. But even like the the fervent, the ones who like believe, like the ones who really do like him. And I look, I I think people do really like him. You know what I mean? Like I think his supporters genuinely like him. I don't think that they're just like, oh yeah, we're using little Chinese monkey. You know, like I think they genuinely like him. But I think that they like him because he was able to win them over, you know, using those sales tactics where he's just kind of like winking, like, hey, I'm here to listen to white people. I'm here to help you. You know, I'm here to protect you. Um, and I think that, the, you know, him talking to Gillis is, is another example of that. Um, question to you all. Assuming that there is going to be some um, something that's coming out of Yang's campaign about what he and Gillis talked about, I don't even know if they're, they're planning on, if it's a good conversation, publishing it or making it public. Are you actually looking forward to what they're talking about? Do you have any hope that it could actually be somewhat interesting? No. No. No way something good can come out of it? You think it's just going to be like platitudes and bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I. I <laughs> well, well, that was quick. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am gonna listen. I, I just wanna. I, I almost just wanna listen just to see like if it's gonna confirm what I think about. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you all have seen enough, but I have to be honest. I feel like in a way I'm looking in the mirror at maybe like. Uh, like a a younger version of myself do you know what I mean like I I feel like he's still entrapped in in a lot of the things that entrap a lot of Asian guys and a lot of Asian people I don't want to say just Asian guys Um, and I'm just curious to see like how he handles it because I feel like he is going he is subject to a lot of constraints that I think a lot of Asian people are subjected to especially you know um, ones who work in like really white environments and um, I don't know. Does does that pique your interest at all or no? It's just not. 
No, not the really. I put that there. What was, what was the question? What piques our interest? The idea, like, I just feel like I'm looking at someone who oh. is, um, well, I, th- I feel like I'm looking at myself in the mirror to some extent, like, especially like a younger version of myself, like someone who is trying to navigate being an Asian guy in like an all white situation and like just how they do it. Or is it just, I, I don't know, like, yeah, I just, think does, com- does even watching him try pique your interest? Yeah, like, I think it'll be interesting to see him try to navigate a conversation with, with Shane because I think he already knows how much damage he's done within the Asian American community. Um, so it, mm. hopefully it'll be, you know, on his agenda to at least kind of bridge that gap that he's created. Um, and he's still going to try to appease to, like, white people and Shane Gillis supporters. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I- yeah, maybe we should uh, we should revisit the topic after it comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a. That, uh, I felt I, I felt like I got a lot off my chest. I think with Andrew Yang, I'll, I'll, I, it, it always just uh, evokes a lot of uh, evokes a lot of cringe and it evokes a lot of anger and it evokes also a lot of sympathy in a weird way. But um, yeah, uh, any any last thoughts or we're at, we're we're at, uh, almost to an hour and fifteen. But uh, that was a really good conversation. You know, I was thinking of, you know, like how you were saying um, the the people who like try to get people to like them, um, like when when you see people like that in in person, those are the people that you don't really like. You know, like you'll let them be around, and they're like mostly harmless. But those aren't your close friends. Those aren't really your allies in anything. And so I feel like when Asians do that, they actually undercut, you know, any real allyship we have with other groups, including white people. Like, they're not really here for us because they don't fucking respect us. And because we don't respect ourselves and because of that, you know, like other groups see that we're doing we're acting this way and like they they don't want you know they don't want our support our support and they don't really want um us to support them necessarily and it just kind of it's doing exactly what the model minority myth which was created by white supremacy set out to do is is just to um break apart you know, the people of color uh, alliances. And every single time somebody makes um, a self-deprecating joke like that, it's inherently undercutting that um, that solidarity, you know? Because I, I think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it in, totally. in terms yeah. of, like, personal psychology, you know? Like, I always say, like, what makes somebody hot isn't the abs, it's nothing on the surface. It's fucking self-respect and confidence, you know, because like I don't want a I don't want a guy, you know, like a relationship with somebody who like can't even stick up for themselves because how are they going to stick up for me and help me with anything? You know, like if they don't have their own back, how are they going to have mine? And I I I don't even know if it's like a conscious thing, but that's how I evaluate, like, p- 
potential romantic partners. And I think that's like a, a pretty basic like human instinct, you know, and how you pick friends and how you pick political allies. And what we're doing is just like undercutting our ability to do both by doing that. Agreed. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I thought that was really uh, well put. Um, fan, again, like great job on that pod. Uh, um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes and I really recommend people go listen to it. We were, uh, Diane and I were joking that it kind of made us feel a little ashamed. Oh, because yeah. It was so much better than anything we've ever done. <laughs> Just like the amount of like editing and 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 research and um, you were, there and are fucking references. <laughs> oh my god! It was like listening to NPR. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really. really good. I hope it's uh, my really, most really lucky to have you. Podcast then. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know we're always on the lookout for like other Asian uh, crafted podcasts that are putting out um, great stuff. We got like a shout out from this other pod called um, Self Evident. Uh, and I just, it just, I just really appreciated the fact that um, someone listened to us and was like, "Hey, this is worth promoting." You know, uh, it was really, it was really cool for that, for that to happen. And um, I was like, "Yeah, I should be, we should be on the lookout for, um, you know, like great work that other um, Asian Americans are doing, especially in the podcast space." So, shout out for that one. That was really good. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Wow, that means so much to me. <laughs> episode for this week thanks again it turns out we actually did hit our goal of 150 patrons so thank you so much to all of you uh we'll be back next week